Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I've been waiting for you. Thank you for letting me come right into your space. We're going to have a great time today in Galatians chapter 5, where we're going to continue looking at the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And that's the name of the brand new series that I want you to order. It's a 10-part series called The Works of the Flesh versus The Fruit of the Spirit. And the subtitle says, you choose death permeated works or supernatural life giving fruit. And we really can choose which one we're going to walk in and which one we're going to produce. And I know that you want to walk in the spirit and you want to produce the fruit of the spirit. You just need to know how to do it. And that's why I'm teaching this brand new series. And I want you to order it and you can get yours today by going online or by giving us a call. And it comes with a study guide. And believe me, this study guide is really loaded. It's huge. It's filled with all the points and the principles, the Greek words, so that you can read it while you hear it or while you see it. And right now, we're also offering you my daily devotionals called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one, and Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number two. In number one, there are 1,000 Greek word studies. In number two, there's an additional 1,000 Greek word studies. If you already have number one, then order number two. If you have number two, order number one. It really doesn't matter which one you begin with because they are daily devotionals. You just read a little bit every day. It is such a resource for you to understand the word meanings in the New Testament. You will devour it. Thousands and thousands of people around the world use these books, so I want you to use them as well. And you can order yours by going to renner.org or by giving us a call right now. And when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to welcome you into our partner family by sending you Denise's book, which is called The Gift of Forgiveness. It's small, but my friend, this is a powerful little book about the forgiveness that God extends to you and that you can give to others. And we're also going to send you my book, which is called Life in the Combat Zone, which is dedicated to partners. Partners are people who financially give to our ministry regularly to help us take the teaching of the Bible around the world. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. I believe that's my job, but I can only do it when you help us by becoming a partner. And your gifts literally put financial fuel in the tank so we can take this teaching to people all over the planet who are crying out for somebody to bring them teaching that they can trust. Thank you, partners, for everything you do. And if you're becoming a partner today by going online or giving us a call, we're going to send you these books as our way of saying welcome to the family. And please remember that if you need prayer, we're waiting for the phone to ring or for your email to show up in our inbox so we can begin to pray for you right now. So please reach out to us. But I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Today we're going to return to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, which is our anchor verse about walking in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Ugh. The flesh is so ugly, and I know that you don't want to live in the flesh realm. So let's see what the Bible says in Galatians 5, verse 16. Reach for your Bible. This is our anchor verse where Paul says, 
This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In Greek it says lego day. The word lego means I say, but it's very emphatic. And then the Apostle Paul adds the word day, which describes something that is emphatic or something that is categorical. It's like he's raising his voice and he's saying, now hear me, I'm telling you emphatically. I'm telling you absolutely categorically. He really wants us to hear what he is about to say. I say then emphatically, I say categorically, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When I was a boy, I thought that if I could walk in the spirit once in a while, it would be a great victory. But this word walk means to habitually walk in the spirit. And if God tells us we can habitually walk in the spirit, it means we can habitually walk in the spirit. The word walk in Greek is the word peripateo from the word peri, which describes something that is around you or something that is encircling its one general vicinity. The word pateo, the second part of the word means to walk. But when you compound the two words together, it pictures one who walks around in one general vicinity as a matter of habit. It's where he lives. It's where he walks. His whole life is in this realm. And in fact, this word walk, the Greek word peripateo, can be translated to live. So you could translate it walk in the spirit or even live in the spirit. That should be our objective. And that is what Paul tells us in this verse. If you live in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In Greek, the words shall not are two words which are both translated no. It's a double negative. The first word is the word ou, which is emphatically no. The second word is the word may, which is a canceller, also meaning no. But when you use these two words together, it means absolutely not, in no way, in no wise, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The word flesh the Greek word sarkos, which describes your flesh, your carnal nature, or base instincts. You will not fulfill them if you're walking in the Spirit, which means you cannot live in these two realms simultaneously. And Paul clearly guarantees us that if we walk in the Spirit and live habitually in the Spirit, it pulls the plug on the flesh. It is a guarantee. And the RIV of Galatians 5:16 is this. Make the path of the Spirit the place where you habitually live and walk. That's really what it means. Become so comfortable on this spiritual path that you learn to leisurely and peacefully stroll along in that realm. Living your life in this spirit realm is the best way to guarantee that you will not allow the yearnings of your flesh to creep out and fulfill themselves. Then in verse 19, he adds, now the works of the flesh. The word works is a Greek word which describes hard labor or hard work. It produces hard labor. That's what the flesh brings forth. It's hard. It's difficult. It's bad fruit. The fruits of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then he lists them beginning in verses 19 to 21. He says, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. We saw that in the last program. Then he adds, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. We're going to cover those today. Then he adds, emulations, wrath, strife, 
seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Wow, this is an amazing list of the works of the flesh. But today we're going to begin with idolatry. Now, when most people hear the word idolatry, they can see in their mind a statue and people bowing before a statue and worshiping a statue. But is that really what Paul has in his mind when he writes about idolatry being a work of the flesh? Let me help you with this word idolatry. It's a compound of two Greek words, the word idolon, which is the word for an idol. The second word is the word letreo, which comes from the word letreu, which means to serve like a priest. When you compound the two words together, it is one that is totally devoted to the object of his worship. He serves it. He does everything he can to maintain it, to adore it. He gives his attention. He gives his money. He gives his devotion to the worship of this thing. And it does not necessarily describe an idol, but it is anything that really has your attention. And I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. Idolatry transpires when a person gives his attention, devotion, passion, love, or commitment to a person, project, or object more than God. When something other than God takes first place in a person's mind, he has entered into, at least into some degree, the act of idolatry. Well, in the Old Testament, idolatry was forbidden, and in the New Testament, it was forbidden. But one of the clearest examples of what God thinks about idolatry is found in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, where we find that the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the presence of God. They brought it into their temple, which was the temple of Dagon, and they put it on a shelf right next to the god Dagon. Well, the next morning when they came into that temple, the god Dagon was on the floor on his face. It had been knocked off the shelf. So they picked it up and put it back on the shelf. And then when they came in the next day, not only was it once again on the floor, on its face, its head was cut off, its arms were cut off, its legs were cut off. God was making a declaration that he was not going to share space with a false God. And here we find that God doesn't want anything to take our devotion more than him. If we're obsessed with anything more than we are with Jesus and his lordship over our life, God will get involved to remove that object from our lives. In the view of God, this kind of idolatry is very, very serious. And it's so simple for our flesh because it is the nature of flesh to become obsessed with our family, obsessed with our spouse, obsessed with our parents, obsessed with our children, obsessed with our friends, obsessed with our job, obsessed, obsessed with our dreams, our plans, our vision, our provisions, our professions, just obsessed because that's what flesh does is it obsesses with things. And I have to ask you today, what are you obsessed with? What do you think of more than anything else? Your answer will tell you what has your attention and what has your devotion. I know that you do not want to commit the act of idolatry, but it's very possible that your obsession with certain things qualifies as idolatry in the mind of God, which is simply a work of the flesh that has to be mortified by the power of the Holy Spirit, grab hold of it and get it back in line. But 
Then Paul goes on and next mentions witchcraft. Well, when we hear the word witchcraft, we think of riches, you know, stirring their brew and riding on brooms. What in the world does witchcraft have to do with the works of the flesh? Well, guess what? It is the Greek word pharmakeia. Do you hear another word? It's where you get the word pharmacy or pharmaceutical drugs. It is the Greek word pharmakeia, the Greek word for medicines or drugs that inhibit or change a person's personality or changes his behavior. And let me tell you how this word was used when the Apostle Paul wrote it in Galatians chapter 5. Pagans went to the temples when they were burdened and troubled by life. And when they went to their pagan temples, their pagan priests would take mind-altering drugs, would pour them into wine, then would mix it together with the wine and would give the wine to the worshipers. The worshipers would begin to drink the wine, which had mind-altering drugs in it, and immediately they begin to feel relief. They begin to feel better, and the priest would say, go home, you're going to be fine. It was good that you came to the temple today. But these drugs never had a long-lasting effect. Eventually, they wore off. And when they wore off, the people had the same problems they had earlier, the same feelings they had earlier. And rather than deal with the root of the problem, look into the mirror and see what really needed to change, they kept running back to the temples to have more mind-altering drugs to temporarily fix them and make them feel better. So in the context of the word witchcraft, which we find in Galatians chapter 5, it doesn't really describe witchcraft, but it is any attempt to not deal with reality. <laughs> Maybe it's going out to see the movies so you don't have to think about your life. Maybe it's having fun with friends so you don't have to think about your life. Or maybe it's taking drugs that you should not take so you don't have to feel and think about your life. And certainly I'm not giving you medical advice. If your doctor has given you medication, take it. But I am giving you spiritual advice. And the advice is deal with the root of the problem or you'll just have to do something to cover it up again and again and again and again. And a person who does that repeatedly really is acting like a person who is on drugs. This is a work of the flesh to deny and to ignore reality. God wants you to look in the mirror, take hold of the power of the Holy Spirit and mortify those things in your life that you are running from. But it is the activity of flesh to run from reality. But then Paul next mentions hatred, which is the Greek word ekthra. Ah, this word ekthra describes an intense hostility that one feels towards someone else. It was often used to picture enemies in a military conflict, and in the New Testament, it primarily demoted, devoted, denoted a personal enemy or those who could not get along with one another. And we see this very word used in Luke 23, verse 12, to depict the animosity, hostility, and hatred that existed between Herod Antipas and Pilate before they became friends at the time of Jesus' trial and crucifixion. Before that moment, they hated each other. They hated each other. And the word hate is this word ekthra, the very same word which here is used to depict a work of the flesh. It depicts people that cannot get along with each other. They have deep issues with each other. They hold resentments, grievances, complaints, grudges that go way, way back in time that have very deep roots. 
As a result of their offense, they become divided, hostile, fiercely opposed to each other. They are antagonistic, aggressive, harsh. They hate each other, and they feel that their hatred is legitimate, that it is really based in a real cause of hatred and offense. But it doesn't matter. It's destructive, and the Bible says it is a work of the flesh. And if you have any of this in you, the Holy Spirit wants to remove it from your life. You do not have to let these feelings dominate you. They are destructive. They are a work of the flesh. They're not doing any good for you or for anybody else. Their purpose is to take you down. But then Paul mentions variances, which is the Greek word eris. This word eris is the old Greek word for a political party who had its own platform and its own agenda. And here we see the picture of people who have divided. Every group has its own platform, its own ideas, its own convictions, and every group is promoting its own agenda well, in a democratic system, this is all right because that's the way that it works. But very often when these kinds of political campaigns begin, they get really ugly. There's a lot of mud slinging and things are said that should have never been said. This is not acceptable in your life or in the church. But very often in your life and in the church, people divide. They align themselves with others that agree with them. They develop a platform. They have their own agenda. And a lot of mud slinging begins. And my friends, it divides family. It destroys relationships. It ruins churches and pulls people apart who once stood side by side. They've been offended. And as a result of their offense, they begin to build a platform and promote their agenda that brings destruction and division. It is a bitterly mean spirit that is destructive and it is a work of the flesh. And if you let your flesh have its way, your flesh will do that because that's the way flesh behaves. But then Paul mentions emulations. What in the world does the word emulation mean? It is the Greek word zealous, which in a negative sense depicts a person who's upset because someone else has achieved more or received more than him. One who is jealous, envious, resentful, filled with ill will for that other person who got what he wanted. And as a result of not getting what he desired, he is irritated, infuriated, irate, annoyed, provoked, and fuming that the other person did get it. This person is incensed and ticked off. That's really what it means. And the Apostle Paul says, this really is a work of the flesh. He can't rejoice with the other person because he is so jealous. And an example of this is found in Acts chapter 7, verse 9, where this word zealous is used to describe the ill will that Joseph's brothers felt for him. Joseph was awarded and honored by his brother, and his brothers could not rejoice with him. And Acts 7, verse 9 says, And the patriarchs, that's Joseph's brothers, were moved with envy and sold Joseph into slavery. Moved with envy, it's from this word zealous, which here is translated as emulations in 
Galatians chapter 5, as a work of the flesh. They were incensed that Joseph was so blessed. They were jealous of his blessing, and it moved them to do something really, really ugly. And I want you to understand that if emulation is working in your heart, you won't just feel ill will. Eventually, it will move you to do something that you will later regret And my friend, this is the work of the flesh. It produces what is laborious, what is hard, and what is destructive. The Jew do not have to yield to any of these because in Galatians 5, verse 16, the apostle Paul said, this I say then, hear me emphatically. I'm speaking categorically. Understand you absolutely can walk in the spirit. Again, this word walk. The Greek word peripatet, which means to habitually walk in the spirit or even to live in the spirit. And if you live and walk in the spirit, he says, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And the RIV of Galatians 5.16 is, make the path of the spirit the place where you habitually live and walk. Habitually become so comfortable on this spiritual path that you learn to leisurely and peacefully stroll along in that realm. Living your life in this spirit realm is the best way to guarantee that you will not allow the yearnings of your flesh to creep out and fulfill themselves. And Paul says we can make the choice to step up into the high road, to leave the low road, and to walk in the spirit and not just do it hit and miss, but we can literally live in that realm. And the moment you choose to step up onto the high road and walk and live in the spirit, you will pull the plug on the flesh. You can do it. I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. A life dominated by the flesh is a hard life. It is filled with excess, imbalance, extremity, laziness, self-abuse, hatred, strife, bitterness, irresponsibility, and neglect. The way of the flesh is the hardest route to take. But a life dominated by the Holy Spirit is filled with benefits and blessings. I'm talking about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Don't give way to the flesh and allow it to produce its ugly work in your life. In this series, The Work of the Flesh versus the Fruit of the Spirit, Rick Renner will show you how to identify the works of the flesh, how to stop yielding to the flesh, how to start yielding to the Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit nonstop, how walking in the Spirit can become your realm of existence. This powerful 10-part series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $20. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book Sparkling Gems from the Greek Volumes 1 and 2. In these books, Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate and uncompromising life with God in an easy-to-read devotional format. Each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies. Order Sparkling Gems Volume 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems Volume 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer. The series, The Work of the Flesh versus The Fruit of the Spirit and the books Sparkling Gems 1 and Sparkling Gems 2. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick and Denise Renner with our hard hats. Have to wear them. Because we're standing on our new land in Moscow where we're building the new TV studio. We built a big fence around this property and had to dig the ground out and 
then fill it with new soil. They've been leveling it. They've been putting in pipes and a French drain around the whole property. And very soon, they're going to begin pouring the foundation for the new studio. And from this place, we're gonna film programs that are going to go into people's homes all over the world. They're crying out and they're saying, God, please send us teaching we can trust. And right from this place, can you imagine, Denise, in Russia, we're gonna be broadcasting the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world. It is so exciting. Thank you so much for being a part of the giving team to make all of this happen. And at the same time, they're also getting ready to move into the new building in Tulsa. They're getting it all ready. Wow, it is so amazing what is happening simultaneously on both sides of the world. But friends, it's not about buildings, it's about people. We're doing our part to take the teaching of the Bible into people's homes all over the world. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. That's our job. Our team is willing to do the work, but partners put financial fuel into the tank that enable us to do this amazing job. And thank you so much for being a partner. And if you're not yet a part of the giving team to make all of this happen, would you please pray about becoming part of the team to help us do this? We can do it. And together, we're really going to get it done. Oh, it's just so exciting to stand here on this ground, which was dedicated to the Lord. We laid hands on it, we consecrated it, we sanctified it, and now the building is going to begin to go up. And at the same time, we're moving into our new building in Tulsa and renovating it. It's amazing what can happen if everyone works together. And Denise, we could never do this by ourselves, but God has given us the most amazing partners. And because of you, we're able to do this. And I want you to know that when you're a partner with our ministry, we really mean it when we call you a partner and we're praying for you. And again, if you're not a part of the giving team yet, please pray about joining our giving team to cause this miracle here and the miracle in Tulsa to come to pass. And together, we're going to feed people the Word of God all over the planet. Thank you so much for being a part of this project. My friend, we have covered a lot of material today and we have more to cover tomorrow. I know you cannot remember everything that I'm teaching in this series, and that's why I want you to order the whole series, which is 10 parts. It's called The Works of the Flesh versus The Fruit of the Spirit. You choose death permeated works or supernatural life giving fruit. You can order this entire series by going online or by giving us a call and be sure to get the study guide that goes with it. And right now we're also offering you my daily devotionals called Sparkling Gems from the Greek Volume 1 and Sparkling Gems from the Greek Volume 2. In each of these there are 1,000 Greek word studies to take you deep into the New Testament and to make the New Testament really understandable for you. If you enjoy these programs, you're going to love Sparkling Gems from the Greek. And if you have a prayer need, please reach out to us right now. Give us a call or send us your email. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to release our faith for God to do something mighty in your life. We'll really pray with you 
And I want to pray with you right now. Father, we want to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Father, help us today to make the choice to live in the Spirit realm habitually and to pull the plug on the flesh. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You can do it. God says you can do it, so you can. But hey, remember, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4, where the word of a king is, there is power, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 